tons of time on the back end. That's good. Oh my god, we're live. We're talking about everybody moving to Austin. Uh, thanks for being here. Like Elon's moving to Austin. Just kidding. Welcome to Zerup TV. We're in the uh, back room and the green room. We start a little bit uh, late today, but we're having some fun here. Uh, just some great discussions. We'll do some quick introductions in reverse order. And uh, we'll start with Dr. G. We'll go to Aaron and then we'll go to Colleen. And then of course, um, we'll go there and, and do a quick introduction of everybody. Uh, quickly just tell us who you are and what you're talking about today. So go ahead, Dr. G. Sure. Well, first of all, happy Friday, everyone. Thanks so much for, for having me back. I'm Dr. Keith Anario by Dr. G over here at Salesforce. I'm the executive medical director. And I think we're talking everything healthcare, everything digital transformation. And Ray, what's for dinner tonight? Like, what are you cooking today, right? That's what I was told. That's what I was told. We, we will jump in on that easily. Uh, it's going to be fun. We'll go to Aaron. So. Good to meet you all. Happy Friday. Um, so glad to be here and glad to be back on Disrupt TV. I think this is my third or fourth appearance. I don't know. I lose count, but I love being here and talking about all things digital. I'm Senior Vice President, Chief Digital Officer for Baptist Health in Florida. And I'm here today to talk about how things like Oculus and others will be the disruptor in the future of healthcare and how VR and digital innovation is not just a buzzword that is, uh, you know, marketed to. So look forward to talking about it. Oh, my. We're going to put you on the metaverse panel. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a bit. Uh, and we've got Colleen. Tell us where you're calling in from and what you're talking about today. Yes. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Colleen McGuire, Silver Fern Healthcare, calling in from uh, the shoreline of Connecticut down here in Essex, Connecticut. Um, and we're talking about... Um, you know, a bunch of things in healthcare, and, and including, of course, uh, digital and the need for digital tools. But specifically, we're going to get at, you know, the expense of healthcare and, you know, what we're missing, what we need to bring to the table to really bring down the cost of care. All right, everybody, welcome to the healthcare edition uh, for Disrupt TV. Happy Friday, everyone. And uh, we'll run and do the honors. So, oh, let's take off. We're going to kick it off. So. All right, three, two, one. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us on Disrupt TV. My name is Val Afshar. I'm the Chief Digital Evangelist at Salesforce and your co-host for the next hour. We welcome you to follow us on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Send Ray, myself, our distinguished guests, your questions live using hashtag Disrupt TV. Uh, it's my uh, privilege to introduce uh, my co-host, Ray Wong. He's the CEO and founder of Constellation Research. He is the best-selling author of Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Surviving and Thriving in a World of Digital Giants. Ray's a regular uh, business and technology contributor on te television, including Fox Business, Yahoo Finance, CNBC, Wall Street Journal. He's a global sought-after keynote speaker. He's right now dialing in from Dubai. And he's, uh, in my opinion, one of the top futurists to follow on Twitter at RWANG0. Welcome, Ray Wong, to Disrupt TV. Hey, thanks a lot, everyone. I'm here with Vala Astro, the Chief Digital Evangelist for Salesforce. He's also the author of The Pursuit of Social Business Excellence, and executives around the world pay attention to every one of these inspirational and insightful tweets. When he's not hosting, keynoting, or leading events at Salesforce, you can find him speaking on business TV outlets such as Bloomberg and posting insightful analyses on Zine, especially of these episodes on our show. Uh, but with that, it's not about us. It's about our awesome guests. Who do we have to kick it off today, Vala? It's our privilege to have Colleen McGuire, co-founder and CEO of Silverfarm Healthcare. Silverfarm Healthcare is a Connecticut company that is transforming chronic disease care through its evidence-based, clinically validated SaaS behavioral diagnostics and decision support platform. Founded in 2013, 
Colleen developed Silver Fern's vision and strategy, seeing it as her obligation to bring the company's proven solutions to the marketplace. Previously, Colleen served as the executive director of the University of Connecticut's Graduate Business Learning Center and taught strategy and management department and sales leadership in the marketing department at UConn School of Business. Colleen currently serves on the board of directors of United Way of Central and Northeast, Northeastern Connecticut. Uh, welcome, Colleen, to Disrupt TV. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you. We are excited to have you here. We're talking about some very important issues. Um, as you mentioned, every country in the world has been affected by the coronavirus um, and it's strained healthcare systems, right? We've tested them, we've stress tested them in ways we've never done before. Um, and of course, um, that's also stressed our economies around the world. Um, the US isn't any different in terms of the cost quality of healthcare. Um, it's always been a challenge. Um, I've been seeing this since I was a public health major in 93. Um, and you've seen this according to research recently released by the Commonwealth Fund, the United States healthcare system is really behind that of other high income economies. So what's going on? Why is this happening? And are there steps we can do to actually improve it? Sure. Thanks, Ray. Um, let me just even lean in there just one more minute. Um, uh, in that study, they identify 11 countries, and we are, in fact, the most expensive, and our outcomes, are, our quality outcomes are the worst, sadly, to report. Um, so, you know, what's it all about? Um, first and foremost, I think what we have here is an incentive problem. So the current, what we call fee-for-service business model, which is predominantly what takes place here in the U.S., um, is really designed to, um, you know, fix uh, things that are broken. We, we go to the doctors in the hospital to fix broken pieces and attend to our current diseases. Um, so we're not focused on, nor do we pay for predominantly, um, preventative measures. And that's what we really need to do. So the U.S. has, our system has been nicknamed, not a nice nickname, um, sick care. And again, it's all because we're really focused on, um, you know, what do, what do we do to get people, um, make people better in, in terms of, you know, they're showing up with, with an issue or, or two. And so there, there's a number of, you know, you need to unpack this. This is, this is a lot of history involved here. We, our country's healthcare system was designed as really an episodic and acute care um, system. So today, and it has been for a long time, if, if you break your arm, if you get in a car accident, if you need want to have a baby, having a baby, you know, we can ship you in and, and, you, and you get pretty good care. Um, where we have fallen down really is in uh, the chronic disease space. And we see that coming about more and more. So, but, but fundamentally, uh, we need to change the way we pay for um, services right now. I mean, doctors and hospitals are doing the best they can and they fix things and that's how they get paid. So we need to move to what's called a value-based uh, design whereby we're, um, we're paying, we're, we're, we're uh, incenting and reimbursing healthcare providers in hospitals for improving health outcomes, um, lowering readmissions, uh, using less expensive meds, et cetera. And so that, that's one of the first reasons that I would point out. Uh, the second thing that's really important to note is that the, here in the U.S., we have a massive chronic disease uh, or chronic condition 
uh, epidemic really going on in addition to our COVID epidemic. Epidemic. I mean, the stats are just just unbelievable and, and really um, scary and costly. So just quickly to run a few of those for you. So we've got here in the U.S., oh, and I tell you these because people are shocked by this, uh, most people, 130 million people plus here in the United States with one or more chronic conditions. Wow. Of the $3.8 trillion, that's the latest number I've seen that we spend on healthcare every year, 85% of that goes to treat chronic disease related wow. items. Um, so that's, you know, 85% of the bill is, is going for that. And uh, if we drill down even more specifically, if you look at something like diabetes, just quickly today, here in the U.S., we have 34 million people with full-blown diabetes. We have 88 million people with pre-diabetes moving into full diabetes, and 90% of those people don't even know that they have pre-diabetes. Um, and what's really sad, though, is if we look at you know the last 20 years, we're not seeing outcomes improve. So we're seeing more and more. Um, people with disease and we're seeing more and more expense and people aren't getting any better. Only 19% of people with diabetes meet guideline. Um, no, that's so, huge. I mean, yeah, that's the seventh um, most popular cause of death. So yeah, it's unbelievable. And so, you know, what's really going on, this is a cultural problem. This is a lifestyle problem. Um, many of most of these diseases are manageable. That's type two diabetes, not type one. Um, which is 90, 95% of the cases are type two. Um, and so we can, we can intervene here, right? This is about uh, our diets and uh, the, the, that we've normalized the fact that we're sedentary and that um, it's, it's okay to be overweight. And so if, if we look at, you know, the average man, if we look at the, just the weight gains, I mean, you look at the data, it just screams at you. Uh, the, the average man over um, since 1960, so 50, 60-year period here, 60-year period, I guess, um, has gained 30 pounds average. Women, 27 pounds, right? So, so all of this is really bad. And so what do we need to do? We need to look upstream. We need to look at, you know, what's going on here. And so we're eating a lot of junk. We're eating a lot of processed foods and we're eating too much and we're, and we're not, you know, we're not doing the right stuff. So I'll end on a positive note with this question. Um, on, a, on a good day, um, I, I'm, I'm very positive and uh, we don't want to give up, right? And so we do see the, the, the value-based um, models coming in, which is now paying for the right things. We're seeing organizations that are like we're part of American College of Lifestyle Medicine, looking at teaching people how to eat the right food. We're seeing organizations. We've just partnered with a company called uh, Nutrition for Longevity. They're bringing um, great uh, food, you know, healthy, good food from the farm to the table. And that's now being paid for. That's now being reimbursed uh, by some of the health plans. So it's hard. It's been slow. We are moving in the right direction. Uh, but we need to change our payment models and we need to really address the fact that that, you know, we're not eating the right stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's 85 percent of expenses for one in three Americans. If you said 130 million, some are dealing with chronic diseases. So your company, Silver Fern, provides tools 
for the prevention, which, which you mentioned, let's try to prevent, and management of chronic disease, uh, like diabetes, like you mentioned, and you do it through the lens of understanding the whole patient and all of the facets of their life. I mean, the biggest influence in life is habit. So hopefully understanding their habits can help you guide them to a better place. What's keeping folks, for example, who struggle with type 2 diabetes that you said could be preventable or, you know, addressed through proper care from uh, changing their habits? Um, and is it even harder in the last 18 months, given the fact that the pandemic is, has been a forcing function for all of us to struggle in ways unlike ever before? And now we have, you know, chronic, uh, you know, issues that we need to address. So what, what advice do you have for folks, for example, who are dealing with type 2 diabetes and how can they, what, is, what are the one or two things they can do to change their habits? Yeah, another really great question here. Um, you know, fundamentally, we should just go on record, right? Behavior change is hard especially big behavior, change, Very hard. right? Quitting, smoking, losing weight, all of these things um, really are concentrated efforts. But to change behavior, we really, it, changing behavior is made up of three things, right? We have to have the right information to, um, to evaluate whether we want to or need to change. We need to have the proper, what we call behavioral skill. So we need to know how to change, right? What do we do every day differently? And then we need to, um, you know, do we have the motivation to, to make those changes? So those, that, that's really the model to change. And so, you know, I think when you look at it, most Americans, when we, when we focus on healthcare here, most Americans don't know their basic profiles. So they might know their weight, they might know their BMI, but most people, if you ask them what we call the ABCs, right? These are, you know, big, important items that you should know about, about your own health out, uh, uh, stats here. So you should know what your quote unquote A1C is. You should know your, your sugar profile. You should know your blood pressure profile and you should know your cholesterol profile. Those three combined drive a, I'm not a clinician, so I won't dive into that. We can save that for the doctor on the phone, um, but they drive, you know, a lot of, a lot of our outcomes. Um, but, but again, it, you know, this comes back to culture. So we've normalized this. It's okay to eat McDonald's and not to pick on McDonald's. Sorry. Or You're a sponsor or, for Disrupt TV. Uh, oh, no, I'm okay. kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, and so not only do we need to have the right information to say, do I need to change? We need to know what's driving, right? We need to know what's really going on here. And then we need the tools to, to actually change. And so one of the things, um, as you noted in the, in the tee up of the question, um, where we're focused is on the piece that's been missing or the pieces that have been missing. So what's very important to whole person care is to look at, first of all, what are the drivers of health outcomes? So research, a lot, a lot of research out there, a lot of data. We don't have to guess at this. We don't have to hypothesize. Um, there are four things that drive health outcomes. And um, they are everyday healthcare, the things that we're doing. We go to the doctor, we do this, we do that our genetics, but the two that are very important that have been missed until now are really, what are we doing every day? What are our behaviors on a daily basis? And then the other is what we call psychosocial barriers. The, 
the psychosocial barriers, or at least the social barriers, have been getting a lot of attention. This is the buzz of, you know, social determinants of health. So again, back to the question, when you add COVID, when you add a challenging environment, when you add, um, you know, all kinds of issues that people deal with every day, it makes behavior change even harder, right? But anyway, so those two components, behavior, what we do every day, and and social, um, you know, psychosocial issues, that drives 60% of outcomes. And yet nobody's been getting that information into the treatment plan, right? Nobody asks these questions, what are you doing every day? Um, and, and when you do, you can learn so, so much, and then you can, you know, you can intervene. You can say, voila, okay, now we know we need to get these people, patients, participants, members, the right information about, okay, these are, this, these are your numbers. This is what these numbers mean. Um, and, and in order to change them, you need these skills. One piece I'd like to just tee on again for, for just one moment here, or, or tee on for the first time, is the piece about motivation. Because we hear this a lot, right? We hear, oh, our patients won't change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and people say, how do you motivate them? So we don't motivate people. What we do is we find their intrinsic motivations, right? Everybody has an intrinsic motivator. Um, classic, you know, I want to see my granddaughter graduate from college or whatever it is. So we really just need to help people along the way. Um, another big piece here that I think is important is the investment has not gone into this area. Right. We've invested in pharmaceuticals and medical devices and procedures and things like that. We really need to start investing in preventative uh, care types of things. I love the ABC. That's a great point. I love that. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and you guys cover a lot of areas. I mean, from type two to heart, heart failure, to hypertension, to prediabetes. Uh, I mean, you're hitting the big ones here right now. And that, that's amazing. I mean, and that, that's what people are looking at. Um, one of the things that people are looking at going forward is really uh, more personalized medicine, uh, how to deliver that in, in a way um, using population data. Um, how does that work uh, in terms of helping to combat chronic disease? Yeah, again, thank you. Good question. Um, you know, to change, obviously to change behavior, like we were just talking about, you, you definitely need to get the granular individual data. You need to get each and every patient's story. Um, but then we want to roll it up, right? We want to see the trends. That's what population health is all about. It's okay. We're looking at a whole group of people and this is what we're seeing. Once we see, aha, this is going on in this segment, Right. And so we often population health will look at different segments. We can um, we can develop interventions. We can look at, oh, my God, there's not enough resources over there to support that group on that topic. Let me, let me give you a concrete example um, from one of the health plans that that we're working with. This is just so classic. Um, so uh, one of the health plans that we have um, took a look at their population and 25 percent of the people with type two diabetes, um, they were not measuring their blood sugars on a regular basis, which is a requirement if you have diabetes. And so what we knew about this group though, is that they wanted to measure their blood sugars. They were not measuring their blood sugars because they thought that they didn't, they didn't know the strips were covered, right? They, they were too expensive. It was a cost mm -hmm. issue. But when we oh, dug wow. in, 
when we dug inside, it was a covered benefit. So this was purely a communication problem, right? So we said, oh my goodness, you've got these people, they want to do better. They want to test their sugars. They're not testing their sugars because they don't think that they have this, the supplies. You guys are already covering and paying for the supplies. It was a, you know, a quick, a quick wow. shootout. Basic of, blocking and tackling right here. Yeah, that's completely yeah. missed. I uh, mean, uh, that, that's, I mean, a, that's incredible. I'm sorry. Exactly. You have a, you know, we, we, they needed to do an email campaign. Um, and so I think, you know, the takeaway here for us, a lot of buzz about this topic called whole person care. So mm. to date, right, we've had information uh, from the EMR in the, in the clinical environment. We've, um, we're now introducing things like wearables, remote patient yeah. or home monitoring. We're, we're bringing in genetics. Um, we, we definitely need to, to pull into this whole piece, you know, the cost and, and how many meds we're taking. Of course, you can hear that. I think we're probably taking too many expensive meds. Um, but the piece that has not been in the treatment plan, the piece that really rounds out and, and quite frankly is the most one of the most critical pieces of the of the formula is bringing this, you know, behavior in psychosocial information to the table, table, which is what we've been doing. I love that. Wow. Love We're that here with Colleen McGuire, co-founder and CEO of Silver Fern Healthcare. Um, really appreciate it here. I'm sorry to cut you off, Molly. What, what do you have? So No, no I, I love the piece about intrinsic motivation, understanding that. And my takeaway was I need to find my AC1 blood pressure uh, and... and uh, uh, I forgot to see. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Coming back again to everybody. So you can catch uh, Colleen's uh, company site at silverfirmhealthcare.com. And uh, hey, thank you for being on the show and happy Friday. So thank you, Colleen. Thank you terrific. very much. Terrific advice. Oh, I've got a bunch of to do's after that first session. <laughs> I feel like I should go for a jog right now. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Where I'm at. And last time Aaron and I were in person, we had a big plate of rice with a bunch of meat on top of it. it so so I'm glad I don't know my <laughs> cholesterol so at this point. <laughs> but, okay, our next guest. And by the way, we only have 20 minutes, so I have to cut his bio to like one-tenth of uh, what this man I'm is. I'm Aaron. Good to meet you. <laughs> yeah. no. Aaron Mary, Senior Vice President, Chief Digital Information Officer at Baptist Health. Aaron has more than 20 years of healthcare and technology experience. Prior to joining Baptist Health, which he joined in 2021, Aaron served as Chief Information Officer at the University of Texas Austin, Dell Medical School, and UT Health Austin. Aaron's a nationally recognized 2021 CIO to know by Becker Hospital Review, 2020 Health Heroes Awardee from Chime, Constellation Research, uh, yeah. Business Transformation 150 Award recipient, and Computer World Premier 100 Technology Leader. In January 2022, Aaron will join the College of Health and Information Management Executive Chime Board of Trustees. Uh, in, last year, the United States appointed Aaron for a second term for the Health and Human Services Federal Health IT Advisory HTAC, uh, as he serves as co-chairman. And just a few years ago, uh, the Obama administration appointed, appointed Aaron to serve on the Health IT Policy Committee established under the American Recovery Reinvestment Act of 2009. You can follow Aaron, super insightful, very social, very accessible on Twitter at Aaron Miri, A-A-R-O-N-M-I-R-I. Welcome back, Aaron, to Disrupt TV. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. Happy Friday to both of you, or I guess it might be Saturday now for you, Ray, about in Dubai. So, all right. Get We're almost there. 
<laughs> no, no. Hey, so it's great having you here. And, uh, you know, you've just recently made the move to from uh, Texas to Florida. Um, and, you know, it's I mean, you're, you're looking at different, uh, you know, different environment, different type of care. Tell us a little bit more about Baptist, uh, a little bit more about the, uh, the health system there and uh, what you're seeing and uh, what's what's new. Absolutely. So a couple of things. So yeah, thank you very much. So I did absolutely make the move recently to chief digital officer here at Baptist. Baptist, one of the largest healthcare organizations, delivery organizations in Northern Florida, over 13,000 associates and folks that are part of the system. Uh, we serve a wide geography from Northern Florida all the way to Southern Georgia. And what was what the with it, the what's in it for me aspect of why this was interesting? A couple of things. Number one, digital officer. How many health systems across the country today actually have that, that role denoted? where it's a partner in crime, basically, their chief marketing, chief consumer officer. Yeah, Baptist, we have a phenomenal consumer officer. She's been at this and really, really making some phenomenal headways with it. But they needed somebody to really be the engine behind it, right? Can the tools, can the systems, some of the things Colleen was just talking about to us about, can they really marry together like Lego pieces and make it happen? I'll put it yeah. succinctly for you. When I saw the consumer experience vision statement, I was drawn to it, right? I'm going to read it to you real quick. Baptist Health, we want to deliver healthcare consumer experience differentiated by ease, empathy, and a genuine desire to make a difference in your life. How could you not be drawn to that and say, you know what, as a technologist, as a digital natives, I can do that. I can bring tools to enable that vision and bring delight to the consumer journey all the way through from patient to physician. That, that's, that's what pulled me there. That's awesome. I went to a website and the first thing you see, by the way, on my mobile phone is uh Hey, you want to speak to a doctor? And it's like a picture of a phone, and like literally, you can click and connect. Uh, exactly. It, it was the, like the first, unbelievable. <laughs> the first billboard I saw when I got off the airport. Right, I'm going for my interviews in June. The first billboard is our mobile app, giant billboard off I-95 <laughs> saying, "Hey, go to our health place app, download it, and do a telemed consult right now." I'm like, "Yeah, now we're talking." Not not so much. Hey, go to my ER and go stand in line but engage with us in a multi-manner way. And so I have a term I've been using a lot here at Baptist called omni-channel care. Can we deliver omni-channel care to you where you want it, when you want it, how you want it, on whatever stack as appropriate? So when I look at it, and I was showing you earlier with the, you know, with the Oculus and others, right? There's so much nice. we could be doing with virtual reality. We could be doing with augmented intelligence. We could be doing things in a way that's smarter, we're already primed as a health system for that. Our board is all about it. We have a giant innovation center where we take the best ideas from our associates and think about how can we make this happen? Just this morning, I'm brainstorming with operations on new ways of dealing with patient flow rather than worried so much about what bed can we put in the hallway or whatever. Don't get me wrong. You have to have good healthcare. You got to have good healthcare facilities, but we've got to do things differently because the next pandemic is on the horizon. No, it absolutely is. So I was, you know, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm so envious this that you have that Oculus there. Uh, I need to get my hands on one. But I was looking at BDO 2021 research, talking about use of various technologies, including emerging technologies, including consumer tech. And um, the, the one thing that a couple of things stood out, uh, machine learning uh, mm -hmm. had um, almost a 2x increase in terms of in place versus plan to be in place, it was growing from like 38% to 61% AI and machine learning. So that was that had a two x multiplier. Uh, RPAs had a two x multiplier, and augmented and virtual reality had a three x multiplier in terms of currently in use, planned to be used. Went from like twenty percent to sixty some odd percent. Tell us about what, what what's driving this this incredible. I was going to say ambition because there are other industries that have done it already, but.
But this desire to bring this type of experience, is it to remove friction? Is it to personalize the delivery medicine? Is it all of the above? What's, what's driving this unquenchable thirst at Baptist to try these emerging technologies to improve healthcare? Absolutely. So and are you going to rip into that box so we can see what's in there as well? <laughs> um, I, absolutely. I actually just got delivered by FedEx, so I'm looking. No, but it, it, it's it's one of those things here. Look, one of my favorite books is by an author named Brennan Singh, right? And in this is a, it's nice. a story about VR headsets being used to address folks with uh, schizophrenia. And in one patient's story, the patient's able to confront via the Oculus a demon that was in their head that they could physically see or mentally see in their mind. But now they're able to combat that in a way and have therapeutic delivery of VR in a way they couldn't do it before. And they were able to be cured of that issue or rather the issue mitigated. You can't really be cured of it, but mitigated. That's the power of VR is these different ways of, of dealing with and handling these conditions that would normally take tons of medication and tons of other ways of doing it. So at Baptist, what's driving us is our, our need and our want for consumer delight, right? It drives loyalty. It drives the ability for your patients to know that you have their back. I always tell people that healthcare is a transaction of trust. How can folks trust us if we're not talking to them and engaging with them in a modality they want to be engaged with? So whether it's VR, whether it's using data analytics smartly, whether it's simply you know doing video chat, or it's by plain old telephone, we have to be able to give folks omni-channel care. You know, again, our chief consumer officer, she's phenomenal. She's constructed this vision statement. So it's my job to put the tooling and the tools around the ecosystem to enable that. Right. And we hyper accelerate this. The northern Florida market, most folks think, you know, anecdotally, Florida is just, you know, place for retirees. That's actually inaccurate. What we're seeing is that that demographic actually is one of the most engaged with technology. So when you ask me what's driving that, quite simply, it's our patients. This is what they want. So if we don't give it to them, just like retail and hospitality found out very recently, mm. you folks will leave you. They'll go find that somewhere else. And COVID-19 yep. yep. everybody's eyes. Yeah, no, absolutely. In fact, I just want to follow up uh, in terms of folks leaving. Um, and I think the pandemic was a forcing function. Um, many of the CIOs I talked to, it's the 2024 roadmap that they're implementing now. So things got pulled in by years. The number one and two top themes at HIMSS this year was number one was telehealth. And health systems believe that 40% of primary care visits can be done remotely. Mm -hmm. which is which is incredible convenience for the patient and, and the physician i suppose and the willingness for use of telehealth uh, by patient is now at 66 percent. so mm -hmm. two out of three and again i'm sure the pandemic with social distancing and safety precautions drove this but the fact is two out of three patients actually prefer <laughs> uh, the convenience of being able to do what you and i are doing right now so can you talk about like in terms of like a cio cdo trying to really reinvent IT mm -hmm. because I can't imagine many CIOs in healthcare handing out Oculus to their staff saying, get used to this, <laughs> learn this, we need to implement. Right. How, what's your approach in terms of hiring and retaining and reskilling your staff that's now bleeding edge healthcare? Like, where do you recruit? What, 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 how do you, how do you? Yeah, how do you no, it's a great question. So it's the same talent pools that the Googles and the Amazons and others are going for, right? You want those same types of skill sets from full stack developers to the UX and CX journey experts and understanding the entire consumer journey. Look, we're debating, uh, you know, customer journey profiles. We're looking at it, sizing up and saying, hey, this is what this specific user wants. Just like when you do product dev and you're doing a whole entire agile methodology, you have to have folks that actually understand the stack, can talk business, can talk tech. 
what has happened with healthcare IT, and I think we talked about this before on previous iterations that I've served in the show, is that people got so used to saying, oh, the big electronic medical record company will do it, or oh, you know, this other company will do it. Instead of saying, how do I tether it into an ecosystem of omni-channel care and look at it from a macro lens? So what are we doing to, to bring that here? Luckily, my team at Baptist, although it's rather large, are phenomenal. They were hungry for this. They needed direction to be set sail and go for it. And so the board recognized and said, okay, let's recruit a leader to help galvanize the group, you know, put strategy around it in partnership with the other executive team members and enable the CEO's vision to move faster and smarter and really unlock what should have been done decades ago here in healthcare. I will say this, Bella, it is something though, when you finally get it right and you have teams that can do things on the fly. And I think I talked about it in the last show, finally, after three years at UT Austin, I had assembled a team that could create and 3D print an N95 mask, right? that absolutely could filter the 0.3 micron with virus. So we ran out of PPE, but I didn't have to wear handkerchiefs because we 3D printed a mask and we improved the design to where you could actually remove the filter and be off to it. And you could wash this. Why not? Why not just create it? Why not look at something and say, hey, that problem isn't too hard for me. That does take time. That does take resources and investment. But if you have the passion and you have That's the innovation awesome. and you have the imagination, why not? Awesome. You're a patented you know, inventor. Are you inventing stuff left and right? I am. I have uh, a <laughs> patent. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always thinking of things. This is the way I am. I'm wired that way. I love that. That's but that's awesome, right? I mean, you, you're sitting right here about to create a creator economy right there. I mean, by putting that out in open source to everybody else to go ahead and create a mask, I mean, you could actually get and actually leverage the community to actually help you with stuff as well. Um, it might not just be your own internal teams. And uh, that, that, that would be like the ultimate here. I mean, and if you look at the North Florida population, I mean, you have a lot much younger population there than you have in Central Florida or Southern Florida as well. So you've got very different population dynamics there where you can actually start bringing people in and, and getting them all uh, recruited and engaged. Uh, but that's, let's take this thing to the recruiting side. Everyone's having a tough time getting people um, into their organizations. Uh, what are you guys doing differently? How are you attracting folks uh, to be able to get, you know, healthcare workers, medical professionals, tech folks, right? Back to your full stack developers. Other than, other than hiring the smartest CIO in the industry. But other than oh, Thanks, Val. I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that. I do. But so simple, passion right? Do you have servant-based leadership and do you have the passion to serve and care? And what's amazing is if you resonate with that core value of, of folks and, and our CEO does a phenomenal weekly message to the entire team, right? That's working their tail off with COVID-19 and all the things that we're doing from a care delivery perspective, but it speaks back to our vision and values as a system. What we have found is even when it comes to full stack developers and the most techie of tech people, right? They all want to believe in something. And so we're healthcare. I'm not going to be able to pay you as much as a Google or an Amazon or whatever. That's okay. Because what we're finding is that the, 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 the true genuine IT developers and the people who think in macro and systems thinking, they also want to know they're doing something for a community. And what better than when you can see the results of your labor translate to direct patient care. And more importantly, it activates your physician audience working with you in a different way. The ideas that they have and seeing that actually come to fruition and what's interesting is finally, they always say, finally, someone heard me because they are like, why can't it be as simple as my Apple iPhone? Well, now it can be, but it starts with that anchoring of a servant-based mindset and genuine authentic leadership. I love that. I love that. Um, our previous guest, Colleen, referenced remote uh, patient monitoring uh, and the consumer digital health trend, which was number two this year at HIMSS in terms of trend trends to watch for and remote patient monitoring funding 
doubled in 2020. It went from 417 million to almost a billion dollars, 941 million according to Hames. And venture wow. capital dollars flowing into digital health companies is at an all-time high. We saw $14 billion, that's with a B, invested across just 440 deals. So big deals in this space. How are you partnering? And I ask because my company is the second most active corporate venture capital um, uh, behind Google Ventures, Salesforce Ventures. So we're at a cadence of investing in a startup on a weekly basis. So we try to stay close to the edge by partnering with startups. What's your mindset? And I know it's healthcare and it's, you know, you have governance and rules and, you know, you're maybe somewhat restricted uh, in terms of bringing, not being able to bring unproven capabilities into a, into healthcare. But what's your mindset and your philosophy in terms of working with startups and smaller companies that are doing incredible work in this space? I, I literally, right before getting on this call, I was on a phone call with one of the, one of the initial investors of Livongo talking to them about different startups and different spaces that we're looking at. Doesn't saying, surprise what can me. we do? So, so to answer your question, we're all in. Nice. What we're looking for is differentiation, right? Do you align with where we're going and the principles and the mission of Baptist and this delight, genuine desire to make a difference in someone's life, that delight in doing that? If so, we will talk to you. Yes, there are rules, there's HIPAA, there's other things like that, but if you let your own shadow make you afraid, you're never gonna get out of bed. You have to move the ball forward. You have to be able to look at things in a dynamic way. And more importantly, you can't just buy tech that buy tech. It has to enable your strategy and your vision and look down the road of how we do this together and make it happen. You know, what I really appreciated about Baptism, one of the things I noticed when I was even entertaining the idea of coming here was it was one of the founding members of a large data consortium platform that recently Microsoft just bought into to look at data and unlock it for genomic sequencing and for other things and therapeutics down the road. That takes a forward mindset. That takes a board, a CEO, and an executive team that are all in on trying to make a difference. That's the thing I want to be part of. And that's the thing I'm banking that the next technologist or guru or full stack developer wants to be part of as well. You have to have your own podcast. I love listening to you. And I know you have no time for it. Well, how about we co-do a podcast? We'll both do it together. We'll both eat rice and uh, kebab at the same time, right? That'll be your thing. Incredible nuggets of wisdom. Sorry, Ray. I have to say it. No problem. Kebab talk coming next week. Uh, We'll be all set. So, but hey, I, I, I do want to ask you, right? I mean, to get the inspiration, to get folks together in place, that leadership. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you've got some great vision coming from the top. Um, what happens and how do you get that next level of talent in play? And I, I know we talked about this in kind of a brief terms, but but what, what kind of skill sets, right? I want to be you in 20 years, says someone that just joins, right? Like, what do they need to do to get there? Um, like, what, what kind of experiences should they have? Uh, because, I mean, if, if we do this right you're going to see this you know happen in all the other healthcare institutions as well as that people get inspired and say hey look we really need to fix this we can make life easier for folks we can actually deliver care to where they really want it to be and we can actually solve some simple problems and actually you know get to the root cause analysis very quickly that's exactly right you know i actually give you a lot of credit ray and then what you say whenever you're doing your talks or even in your book that you know here i'm doing a little preface for your book and no i'm not on the take for that so but really it's about <laughs> differentiation but i should be and breaking, I know, and breaking the cycle of the fourth wave and looking outward on the horizon. So what did I do in my career? I asked a lot of questions. I, I switched from being a CIO of a hospital to a CIO of a cybersecurity company building product in Boston. 
I learned skill sets continually to stretch myself and stretch my mind. And I learned marketing. I learned sales forecasting. I learned the business in a different way and then came back to healthcare provider side and said, why can't this be a culmination of both? Why can't we add marketing, the sales methodology, although it's not really selling in healthcare, but it is a bottom line, it's a business. And then of course the tech stack on top of that to make a true delightful experience. So it was natural for me for having a large health system like this that's hungry for change, that wants change and willing to invest in it and saying, we're going to empower you and enable you to go faster and help us unlock that. That was me. So for the CIOs out there, for anybody who's joined listening, going, man, I, I wanna do that. That sounds cool. I wanna be a digital officer. It's simple. Ask questions, stretch yourself, get out of your industry and go to a different industry. I built product for a couple of years. I was accountable to Wall Street. I had teams around the world I was managing. I'd never done that before, but it didn't mean I couldn't do it. So that's the kind of characteristics I look for. I always tell people I can't hire for passion. If you have passion and you're a servant-based leader and you're genuine and authentic, come work for me. We will make things happen together and make magic. Wow. The one and only Aaron Murray, BT150 winner, Senior Vice President, Chief Digital and Information Officer at Baptist Health, and now a Chime board member. Congratulations on that. Pretty good accomplishment. Yeah, thanks. There. Appreciate it. Thank you. Aaron, thank <laughs> so, you so much. You were fantastic. Thank see you. See you. Have a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show. So Yeah. That's, that was that was awesome. <laughs> of course, this is what we call a cleanup hitter spot. This is where the MVP comes in and hits a grand slam and brings the home, brings the show home. So <laughs> without further ado, Dr. Gita Nair, Executive Medical Director at a company I'm familiar with, Salesforce. As a nationally recognized leader in healthcare, every time I turn on the TV, Dr. G is on a panel with you know the biggest minds in the space, uh, leader in healthcare information, physician, executive, public speaker, and author, Dr. G, affectionately known as Dr. G, <laughs> loves sharing her unique perspective, bringing clinical medicine, business, communication, and digital health. As a specialist in rheumatology, Dr. G maintains his volunteer associate professorship with the University of Miami and serves on the University of Miami Medical School Alum Association Board. Dr. G has held several positions in media and with professional societies, including the medical, uh, including medical contributor on CNN. I love her appearances on CNN, you know, with Dr. Fauci, you know, she hangs with like the best. Uh, and as a member of the Health Information and Management System Society, HIMSS Board of Directors. You can follow her unbelievable Twitter feed at G Nair, G-N-A-Y-Y-A-R. Welcome back, Dr. G, to Disrupt TV. Thank you so much, Vala. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an ask right out of the gate. So instead of kebab talks, would you consider tandoori talks? Maybe <laughs> you, know, you know, when you were on CNN last time I saw you, when you were on CNN last time I saw you, I think you had invited the correspondent to come to your home for Thanksgiving. I did. Yeah, I so, did. So, so, the rumor My is dad's that got a mean tandoori turkey. I'm in, man. <laughs> I love this. I like so. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, one of the things that's big, I mean, I, I see on TV all the time, you're talking about all these different things. Like, what? what's changed, right, with the pandemic and people's awareness about health and health tech and what's going on there, um, other than everyone else being a public health expert now or, or, or pseudo-epidemiologist, but I mean, what's, what else is going on here? Because there seems to be a, a, a recast, a rethinking of healthcare in people's lives and wellness as well. 
You, you've got it. Well, first of all, thank you both for the opportunity to come back again. This is the best way to, to end the week. So thank you again for the opportunity. So what's changed, Ray? I mean, like everything, right? I mean, everything has changed for all of us, for every business. And healthcare needed this really, really rude awakening. It might be the only silver lining of the pandemic. So this concept of virtual medicine, digital transformation, uh, being able to get a, a doc at the click of a click of a button. This is yeah. all the stuff everyone in healthcare has wanted for so long, including the consumer, including the doctor. But finally, we're in a place where there's so much, uh, there's so much of this perfect storm of regulators, uh, providers, payers, the government, uh, retailers entering the space. And this digital transformation is being pushed and forced and innovation is happening faster than ever, faster than ever. You are at our, yeah, we're definitely uh, seeing that. We are definitely seeing that approach. So you were at our largest annual conference, which was now in person this year, albeit only a thousand versus what we typically have, which is in the you know 175,000 in 2019. And you spoke with uh, our customers and partners about the trusted enterprise. And you talked about the importance of trust as a core value, the importance of digital headquarters, the importance of, of, of values creating value. So what's next? Uh, how do we prioritize you know, what happens next after this 18, 19 months of um, you know, going through the pandemic? How should we, as business leaders, as healthcare leaders, think about the future and how we can prioritize delivering better quality to our stakeholders? Sure. So, well, a great question. Look, the bottom line is we've been through a war, right? We're still in this war we're, and we're in it globally, right? So what do we do after every war? What do we do in every war is we invest in our infrastructure. We invest to say, gosh, we never want to be brought to our knees again. And that is what we have seen with healthcare. We are realizing that our, our pipes are not good. Our infrastructure is not good. And the idea that our legacy systems, that one EHR, that one PAC system, that one ERP that was supposed to be the the holy grail is not going to cut it, right? We've got to have bridges. We've got to have multiple highways. And we have to think differently. We're at a place now where our legacy systems largely put us in this, in this predicament where our healthcare system is falling apart. Data is not easy to find. We can't predict via analytics what will happen next, right? How did no one see this coming, right? So all of these things have kind of come to a head and every health system is asking themselves, every payer, every doc, every business is asking themselves, how does this never happen again? What do I need to do to digitally transform my business? And you you hit on it, Vala, right? And not just in healthcare. Every business is now a healthcare company. No joke, right? Salesforce included, right? Our main customer event, the first thing we said to ourselves is how do we make sure that our customers feel like they can trust us with, with their presence, with them simply being there? We used our own technology. Sorry. Yeah, we pulled it off, right? Well, a high five. I'm really absolutely. Yeah, my, my understanding is zero. Uh, you know, and, and we were actually able to identify, you know, a handful of attendees that unfortunately, you know, could not participate based on our screening process. You got it. But health and safety was our priority, just like every one of our customers, just like every one of our employees that we are responsible for. And we used our own technology, we used our own vaccine cloud technology. And we got everyone there safely. We offered a hybrid option. We knew exactly who was positive, who was negative. And we we pulled it off. And we're really proud of that. And every business is asking themselves the same question. How do I maintain my business? How do I do it while keeping the health and safety of both my employees as well as my own customers in mind? And if you're not thinking 
thinking about investing in that digital transformation, you will be left behind. It's very, very simple. And you were at the center no. of planning. And it was, again, leaning into technology, creating new processes, having adherence and, and monitoring capabilities. This was, not, it was, I'm going to call it a Herculean effort uh, because, again, safety is now a brand pillar. Imagine having an event, having a thousand people show up. And by the way, these are CXOs, a lot of CXOs. And then you have an outbreak. You know, it, 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 it could be devastating in terms of maintaining the trust that you have with your stakeholders. You got it. Again, team effort, multiple stakeholders, safety, security, marking, Mark Benioff himself. This took a lot of effort, but it was very thoughtfully done. A lot of scenario planning, a lot of decisions that we had to make about technology as well to make sure we could really automate the things that could be automated and leave the things that could be manual to manual. No different than a healthcare environment, right? If you think about your health and, and the safety of your own family, when you go to a hospital, you are trusting that the hospital the staff are, are going to have your best interest in mind and have the tools at their disposal to actually be able to take care of you. So very similar to Dreamforce, very similar to business transformation. Every hospital system is asking themselves the, the same thing, and they're realizing that they've got to use different creative thinking, change management, change, lead, change leadership. Even having a doctor or scientist at the C-suite is now a fundamental in any business because it is a priority but also having that tool set, right? A hammer doesn't cut it. I've been doing a home renovation. Well, they use all kinds of stuff, right? <laughs> Doctors, nurses, we need multiple tools. We we all think of, of virtual medicine and being safe out of the hospital now in, in, a, in an environment like this where there's a video visit. But let me tell you, my patient, different strokes for different folks. People need texting. They need email. They need a phone call. They need paper mail, right? So much of what we do in our health cloud products, much of what we're doing with vaccine cloud is, is really being able to give doctors, nurses, hospitals, payers, a different set of tools for different patients. Because thinking that everything should be a video visit or that a patient even wants that is, is unrealistic and frankly, just not agile enough for today's consumer. Today's consumer needs different things at different times. And a good old fashioned doctor's visit is still needed, right? Baby's gotta be born, surgery's gotta be done. So it's a spectrum. That's what we're really seeing about digital transformation. Absolutely. You know, one of the other interesting things about the uh, pandemic is that the, the change in terms of licensure, right? I mean, we actually have physicians that can actually cut across state lines, which we've never had before. And the emergency licensure that kind of picked up over there. Um, do you see that keeping uh, up, you know, given the fact that we've got a shortage of physicians, shortage of healthcare workers almost everywhere, where those some of those rules I mean, I don't know if they're antiquated in, in different ways or they're set for previous reasons, but um, do you see that changing as well or a push to make that change? So again, the, the genie's out of the bottle. We have seen, number one, our healthcare infrastructure broken, our processes, our, our staff, right? Physician burnout is real. Care team burnout is real. If it takes, we all have kids on, on the call. If it takes a village to raise a kid, let me tell you, it takes an army to take care of a very sick individual and what our frontline workers have been through is is very dramatic and we are now seeing people leave people are so burnt out they're leaving so what we have to realize is just like patient engagement we have to also invest in not easy to turn out turn out physicians right as much as i as much as i'm pro tech and pro ai right we're not robots takes a good 30 years to turn out a doc. So we do, we have to think differently about our processes and licensure is certainly one of them, but I, I don't think there's any going back 
uh, to how it was before. In fact, I see us going forward. I see more investments happening and more, Ray, you know, more of um, thinking outside the box, right? We've worked with Bon Secours, Mercy Health, for example, and they, they've said to us, look, we want to actually connect our patient journeys. Mind blowing, right? That like everyone wow. in the hospital should see Ray Wong and know exactly, you know, what his age is, you know, 25, uh, what his health conditions are, what is his preference? Does he want to text? Does he want a phone call? Does he want to come in? And listen, what we had to do with them is, is partner, double down, rethink all of that and work with the legacy systems, right? We're, we're not from healthcare at, at Salesforce. And many of the vendors moving this forward are not from healthcare because healthcare needs some help from the outside in and from the inside out, right? And so I think we're going to see more and more of that. But I, but I think the sky is the limit. And that's, that's the silver lining as well. Yep. Yep. Definitely. That's awesome. Uh, both of you and I know Aaron, uh, our previous Aaron Mary, our previous guest, and again, like a brilliant mind, a, tra a trailblazer. We use Salesforce language trailblazers to explain folks that are always forward-looking, always experimenting, and leading trends. And uh, you, I mean, you, again, you've shared the stage with Dr. Fauci. You've collaborated with Larry Brilliant, Peter Schwartz. You know, you, so you're speaking to the top futurist biggest minds in the healthcare space. Take us to on a journey of what, what will virtual care look like oh, five years question. from now? Um, and I know it's hard to predict five years from now because five years ago, we wouldn't have been able to predict what we've experienced in the last 12 months. But what 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 what, what will a doctor's visit or how, how can we expect technology to help us evolve to a better space? Especially when our first guest, Colleen mentioned that we're the most expensive, lowest quality of the 11 countries that were measured. So there's definitely room for improvement, as you said. Bad metrics. So clicks and bricks follow. The, the future of healthcare, the future of the doctor's visit is, is clicks and bricks, right? So it's some kind of hybrid of in-person visits, virtual offerings. Again, it takes a cool box, toolbox, right? We've got to have all the different things, online scheduling, texting, call centers, all the things so that we know what to automate and we leave the, the real uh, the real in-person stuff for the things that should be in person. The challenge, and I think part of the transformation that we're going through as an industry is figuring out what visits are those that should be virtual or could be virtual based on, on preference, both of the doc and the patient. And what really needs to be done in person? I'll give you a small example. You know, seeing patients as a rheumatologist uh, via virtual visits during the pandemic, I've had to have patients, you know, put their hands up. And I'm like, you know, how swollen is it? Like, would you say it's one, two plus, three plus? And the way they describe things and feel things is different than if I do it. And so there have been times where I'm like, gosh, I just, just want to feel those joints. That's just what I'm used to. And that's what, and that's my metric. That is my metric is, is when I press down and I kind of feel how gooey uh, the joint is to use a technical term. Um, and so that's, that's what we're learning. I, I also think there's, there's something in here about I think we may, yeah, I think we may have lost her there. But uh, the the gooey scale, um, one to seven for joints, uh, is, is something uh, <laughs> you, you do have to worry about uh, and, and and pop in. So, but um, but yeah, I mean, this I'm wondering is... if over time, computer visioning um, and uh, you know models through AI can uh, you know detect what the, the visual senses. That, 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 that's there. Certainly not the touch and feel, but, you know, can we uh, quickly 
analyze certain conditions by enhanced. Well, there are a bunch of things actually we're saying actually with uh, patient healthcare. I mean, you're seeing different rooms, um, and some of those rooms basically you walk in, and and there was an article I wrote long, long time ago. What it's Harvard like business to envision yourself in an AI envisioned healthcare center. And um, a couple companies actually went out to go build that, right? With sensing, with the capability to pop folks in there. And it was actually kind of interesting because you can take computer vision, you can take things, you can actually use AI, NLP, the computer visioning to actually take that 15 minutes of precious time where uh, 10 minutes of it is doctors like typing away. That goes away because it's all being done, um, you know, by voice, right? So you actually then actually have time to actually ask the patient, how are they doing? And actually look at your previous notes, which serve themselves up and say, hey, you forgot to ask these five questions. And then, of course, hospitals want you to be the code up. So making sure you ask the right revenue cycle questions. And then, of course, you get to the other ones where it's really to make sure that you, you, the patients are protected. And then, boom, suddenly your prescription, your orders, your everything's already sent to where they need to be. But uh, you were saying earlier, uh, Dr. G, I mean, uh, you know, the, this, the shift is happening, right? I mean, genie's out of the box. And, uh, you know, what else is important? So... You got it. So broadband is clearly important. Sorry about that. <laughs> infrastructure. <laughs> Let's oh, absolutely. Yeah, infrastructure. We all need Starlink. We all need Starlink. Pop it up anywhere you go. So, uh, yeah. right. so I, I, I want to mention I want to mention misinformation because I think that's one of the missed opportunities in healthcare. As we mm. think about what healthcare is going to look like. Misinformation is not new. It's been chronic in healthcare, right? Every patient that told me ginger and turmeric serve, you know, uh, solved uh, solved cancer is is more than a dozen. Come on, so it's I on my list. Ayurvedic cures, okay? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm all for with chemotherapy, right? Like it's it's okay. It's, it's, <laughs> no, no, no. He's married to a physician, so I'm sure he knows that proper. <laughs> I'm in a I'm family sure. of I'm physicians. Sure. I can't get away from healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> So. so I think it's important that when we think about what the future is going to look like, again, connecting the patients and, and docs and the care team to good information, that's part of digital transformation. That's part of what we do at Salesforce and our care journeys. If we're not do doing that, it's easier for people to go to TikTok. It's easier for people to go to Facebook. So as much as we talked about how technology has contributed to the problem, I think it could solve it. And I think we're going to see a lot of healthcare systems, a lot of payers invest in that because at the end of the day, we've talked about it a million times, it is about trust. And when patients can't access their doctor or ask them questions or know where to go, they look for other sources. And we're seeing the tragedy of that. And it's not just about COVID. It's the same thing for diabetes, high blood pressure. So I'm really looking forward to us moving the needle on that and, and continuing to see the industry just raise the bar on health literacy, right? There's there's nowhere to go Absolutely. but up. <laughs> you know, but but on a serious note, we're also seeing some interesting mixes between Eastern and Western medicine, right? Where Western medicine makes sense. And then on a long-term basis, from a preventative care perspective, the Eastern medicine piece being incorporated. And, and it's going to be interesting to be able to actually measure measure those types of health outcomes uh, going forward. What do you think about that? I mean, are you seeing that? Are patients coming to you with the questions like that? You know, patients always come with questions like that. And again, you know, as far as we, we as docs are always looking at the data, where we have data, we share it, where we don't, we say, look, but if you find a benefit and there's no harm, I say have at it, right? I'll tell you acupuncture. A lot of my patients really love acupuncture. Mm -hmm. There's no harm in acupuncture. Puncture, that helps you. And if you need a little bit of help with pain, I'm happy to write you something. But it's really about doing no harm, right? Bringing it back to do it no harm. And I always appreciate the patient that comes in and asks because what happens sometimes is when a patient 
ends up on tunnel. I don't find out until they've blown out the river. So again, you want to have all of that on the table with your pocket. And look, it, different strokes for different folks. I, I always wow. encourage that. And just people being aware of their health has clearly gone up and in, 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 in different ways that make us well. And that's just as connected uh, to our body, right? My, my mind-body connection is the thing. Yeah, yeah, no, we're here with Dr. Gita Nayar, Executive Medical Director at Salesforce. Um, I'll be interviewing her one-on-one -on -one at the Fireside Chat at Constellations Connected Enterprise. You can follow her on Twitter uh, at G-N-A-Y-Y-A-R. Thank you so much for being here, and happy Friday. Thank you so much. Thank you. There's uh, not a lot of things. Thank you so much. There's not a lot of things I'm certain of, but... I'm certain of one thing. Salesforce is a better company because of Dr. G. She's involved in so many important high-level conversations guiding our customers, our partners, and our company. Um, a lot of the roadmap items, a lot of the innovation in the space of health cloud, vaccine cloud, really inspired by uh, the work that she's doing. So anyway, wow. ABC, AC1, blood blood pressure and cholesterol. <laughs> uh, <laughs> having even a stronger appreciation of innovation in healthcare because of folks like Aaron Mary, who is just, you know, putting a dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs said. And of course, uh, you know, Dr. G reminding us that, you know, you have wartime CEOs and peacetime CEOs and what we've experienced in the last 18 months and what we're most likely going to experience for the next 18 months requires you to have that wartime mentality, which means investing your people, investing your infrastructure and keep getting better because the expectations continue to grow and the obstacles continue to be there. Ray, your summary of, and I know you're like, what is it, midnight in Dubai? <laughs> your summary of uh, episode 253, by the way, we just conducted our 775th interview. 25 away Yeah, it is. <laughs> we are getting close there. Um, look, healthcare is going to continue to be an important part of the conversation, not only inside work, uh, but also in the uh, social arena. I think that's uh, one thing that uh, we all um, can't take for granted. Uh, it's something that everybody's uh, definitely looking at. And, and I think it's going to evolve. I mean, we're going to see different conversations about it. Uh, but I, I think it's also important for people to understand that healthcare, uh, especially in the middle of a pandemic, is an emerging science. Things continue to change. Uh, beliefs continue to be challenged. Experiments continue to be run. There's different types of approaches out there. And we're going to see a lot of that, right? Um, and I think that's, that's an important piece as people look at that and health policy going forward. Uh, but, you you know what? I'm, I'm so glad we have so many wonderful people and guests uh, that could join us today and uh, share their views. But we've got an exciting episode for episode 254. Who do we have on board here? Yeah, next so. week, episode 254, we have Andrew Chicago. Two weeks from now, right? Or next week? Oh, it is next week. Yeah, I think it's, well, next it's coming week. up. Yeah, two weeks from it now. It is next we, week. We're yeah, coming to your uh, to your event. That's uh, three weeks from now. Oh <laughs> right, my! Three weeks from so. now. That's right. Uh, Andrew Chicago, executive director, CMO of Fido Alliance. We have Shep Hyken, one of my favorite people, uh, Chief Amazement Officer at Hyken. I want uh, that title. Yeah, I know. He, he, is, he is amazing. No questions asked. And, and Niha Merchandani, CMO of Brett Plan. So we have two CMOs and an incredible multi-bestselling author, uh, uh, who I would say is Chief Customer Officer, um, who is going to help us talk about future of marketing and service. Um, episode 254 next Friday. So if it's Friday, it's Disrupt TV. Ray, closing remarks. 
no, hey, everybody, happy Friday, and uh, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you next week. So bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.